Hi, and welcome to Your Owners. We meet every Saturday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. As you guys probably have noticed, we had a couple of glitches trying to get one of our speakers in. We still haven't been successful, but um, Matthew Blasics from the same company did make it in, so we're glad to have him join us. And we'll be uh, trying to work. Jay's working his way on uh, from his end to see if he can get in. Um, if not, I'm going to try to see if I can at least bring him in through a phone connection when we get to the discussion part. Um, for those of you that are new to the program, you can learn more about us by visiting our website at euronurse.com. Lots of information there on how to join. Uh, normally joining is very simple. So as most of you know, as you've been on here before, um, if you're watching us on YouTube, great. We're glad to have you. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and the like button. We're always, uh, looking forward to having more subscribers to the channel. I know a lot of people do watch this as an on-demand and our website, of course, does have the on-demand option too. Um, our first half, we're going to kind of go into our usual, uh, just general questions. If you have any questions, put them into the box. We'll be glad to answer those. If we don't have any questions, we may share some stories. If you have any stories you want to add to the collection, go ahead and add those in. And then we're going to take our deep dive. Today, we're going to talk about lidocaine. And a little different, um, we are glad to uh, show you the, a, a video that I put together for the company, uh, Sage and Pharmacal, that makes Glido. Um, it was my first acting job, so uh, you guys can criticize or or applaud my efforts. But anyway, they're uh, gracious enough to let us go ahead and show that today. So I'm going to show you how you would instill the proper technique that I uh, recommend for instilling urethral uh, lidocaine. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about the lidocaine shortage. Um, I do have some, uh, got some experts for you that can talk about their they're in the lidocaine business, what they're doing to cope with it and how they're making sure that there's going to be plenty of lidocaine gel to go around. Um, so it should be a real interesting talk. We hope to get Jay on. Um, we're doing our best on that. But in the meantime, I'm going to welcome my other panelists here and turn that off. So uh, Lori, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? All right, my name is Lori Atkinson. I'm on RN uh, certified in urology through SUNA. I've been in urology for 24 years. I currently work for Northwestern in the Western sub, uh, suburbs at Del Nor Hospital. Ah, great. And Matt, you're one of our new panelists that are joining us as, as one of the experts from the Sage and Pharmaceutical Company. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, everyone, and uh, thanks for having me today, Vic. Thanks for uh, inviting me and putting this together. Uh, everyone, my name is Matt Blasek. I'm the National Sales Manager for Sagent Urology, uh, and obviously here to talk today about the lidocaine gel market uh, and our flagship product, Glido. All right, great. I uh, don't see any questions coming in. <clears throat> putting our panelists on the spot. If anybody has a story, let me know. Just put a finger up. I'll be glad to entertain the story. I'm seeing no fingers going up. So I'm going to go and start off with a story. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of a short one. And I kind of call this nev never overestimate your audience. So, uh, you know, most of us have some assumptions, I think, when we talk to patients about their basic knowledge of anatomy but you can really be surprised sometimes what you'll find out. And I'm not talking about, you know, people that have, you know, kind of learning deficits, but just general good old, you know, blue collar worker that you're talking to. So years back when I first got going, um, I used to sit in on most of the talks for surgicals from the doctor. 
he would, we would both go in as a pair. He would talk to the patient, explain what the procedure is, and then he would leave and I would finish up by going over all the pre-op uh, requirements, the testing the patient would have to go through. And, you know, hey, any questions? Of course, I sat in, so I heard the whole thing. I could, you know, be that sounding board. A lot of patients appreciated that extra. Yeah, the doctor told me this, but I really wasn't listening well enough. Can you re-explain it? So it really was a, a good system that we had in, in play. And, you know, I think we've all been in this situation where sometimes something strikes you during the conversation with the patient that you're just about ready to lose it. It's just, you, you want to break out laughing at, at the, and, but you can't, right? You know, you have to try to keep your control. So this was a situation where the doctor's explaining to the patient about a radical prostatectomy. The guy's got prostate cancer. He's going to have his prostate removed and he's, you know, doing a good job of explaining. I thought a great job of explaining it. And he goes to the patient and says, do you have any questions? He said, yeah, doc, I've got one question. Are they going to stop both of my hearts? And I said, and I kind of look at him and he goes, you know, the doctor's keeping a straight face. He goes, you only have one heart, you know, really? He said, I thought you had one here and one here, you know, each side of his chest. So this patient all his life has been going through with the thought that he had two hearts and we had to disappoint him that he's only got one heart. So never overestimate your audience is my, uh, my saying here. All right. All right, Vic, I got signed on the phone anyway. Hey, there we go. So that's great. So let's see if I can just rename you. So you're not just a phone number. Whoops. Did not spell that right. Shows shows I never took any typing in school. <laughs> All right, Jason, you're on. Welcome. Can you go ahead and give a little introduction? Hi, yes. Uh, my name is Jay Bjork. I'm with uh, Sage and Pharmaceuticals. Um, I'm the uh, Chicago uh, Glido rep. Uh, I represent uh, about 10 states. Um, and I've been uh, uh, participating with SUNA for since 2016 and so um, it's been a great honor to be able to to meet everybody through SUNA and it's a great opportunity to um, uh, reach people through uh, urinals so thank you very much Vic. Hi you're welcome all right so we're going to go right into since I see no other questions and uh, I don't think we have any other stories I'm going to go right into our talk and we're going to kick off by going over where the uh, where my um, demonstration video lives and I'll bring that up. So I'm going to bring it up live so you can kind of see what it looks like. So this is their website. And if we go here into professional resources, and then there's this click here to Glido demonstration video. This video will demonstrate how to instill Glido 2% jelly into the male urethra for prevention and control of pain during transurethral procedures such as cystoscopy and catheterization. Glido's formulation is ideal for those patients requiring both lubrication and pain relief. Glido is contraindicated in patients with a known history of hypersensitivity to local anesthetics of the amide type or to other components of Glido. Please refer to additional important safety information at the end of this video 
and in the Glido prescribing information found at www.glido.com. For your patients who are not undergoing anesthesia in order to spare them unnecessary pain, it is important to anesthetize the urethra. Glido is a sterile urological anesthetic, which is provided in a pre-filled plastic syringe and was developed by urologists for urethral procedures with patient comfort and ease of use for the clinical staff. The male urethra is approximately 18 to 20 centimeters long and runs from the bladder through the prostate and penis to the external orifice. It has several natural physiologic constrictions, including at the outlet from the bladder in the pelvic floor area near the voluntary urethral sphincter and at the fossa navicularis just before the external urethral orifice. In the relaxed state, the urethra is folded together and collapsed in the form of a star in some sections. Therefore, prior to any transurethral procedure, it is important to coat the urethra in its entirety. Glido's use in transurethral procedures meets a number of important patient needs. First, when instilled properly, it provides complete dilation of the urethra with strong adhesion to the mucosal wall. Second, installation prior to the start of the procedure ensures good lubrication conditions. Third, Glido provides an anesthetic effect during the procedure in otherwise non-anesthetized patients. Glido's sterile, single-use pre-filled plastic syringe helps avoid potential contamination that may occur with products in multi-dose containers. It's important to follow appropriate installation procedures when using Glido. If Glido is only placed on the instrument, it will not provide full coating of the urethra. It will be wiped off at the external meatus of the urethra and the urethra will not become dilated to ease the insertion of the catheter or instrument. Glido is fully assembled and ready to use, which reduces the time burden associated with other installation methods. Glido's plastic syringe eliminates the waste that could occur with other products using glass bio-based syringes that can easily fracture and that requires Sharp's disposal. Glido is available in two sizes, 11 and six milliliters. I will now demonstrate how to instill Glido. For this video, we will assume the patient has already been prepped, including outer orifice washing and disinfection, and the sterile field has been set up, which should be done per your facility's guidelines. I have already opened the sterile Glido blister pack and placed the Glido syringe on the sterile tray prior to putting on my gloves. Loosen the pressure point of the easy to use pre-filled syringe to allow you to depress the plunger to instill Glido. Glido is steam sterilized in its packaging, which creates static friction or stiction between the plunger and the barrel of the device. In order to reduce this stiction, prime or activate the plunger with the cap on prior to use. This simple movement should help ensure that the syringe will empty easily and uniformly when instilled into the urethra, which will create a lubricant cylinder in the full length of the urethra. Two ways to do this are as follows. One technique is the two-handed method, for this technique, you will hold the tip cap with one finger and depress the plunger forward with the other hand while holding the tip upright. This method allows any air bubbles to reach the tip. Another method is the one-handed method. For this technique, you will hold the tip cap down on the sterile tray and depress the plunger forward. Remove the tip cap with the thumb of the device hand. This method allows you to use your other hand to interact with your patient. Remove the tip cap and Glido is quickly and easily ready to use. Next, push out air bubbles if there are any. One of the ways to begin the procedure is to apply a small amount of gel to the meatus 
to lubricate and numb this area. The next step is to insert the syringe tip into the urethra. To create a good seal during installation, insert the cylinder-shaped Eurofit tip fully into the urethra. The Eurofit tip was anatomically designed for easy insertion into the opening of the urethra. It was developed by urologists and designed for patient comfort to not overdilate or overextend the meatus. The front base of the syringe barrel should touch the tip of the penis to ensure a tight seal with the meatus. Glido is now slowly instilled into the urethra by pushing on the plunger. The Glido ready-to-use syringes are easy to handle due to their enhanced finger flanges. The single-use tactile syringe facilitates uniform installation without any back suction effect. Instill slowly with steady and even pressure to reduce leakage of gel. During the installation of Glido, the urethra's mucosa will unfold and dilate, greatly reducing the risk of injury and discomfort to the urethra. Thanks to the hydroxyethyl cellulose basis of Glido, the transparent gel coats the critical parts of the urethra uniformly. The gel adheres to mucosa extremely well for the procedure. Because of this, friction from instruments and catheters on the urethral mucosa is reduced to a minimum. The local anesthetic Glido containing lidocaine hydrochloride 2% can begin to take effect on the mucosa rapidly. Glido has an onset of action of three to five minutes and takes full anesthetic effect within five to 10 minutes after complete installation. For this reason, the installation of Glido is recommended approximately three to five minutes prior to the procedure in order to overcome the physiological constrictions without friction and pain. After installation, discard any unused product and device into the appropriate medical waste container. Because there is no glass or spike needle involved with the delivery of Glido, there is no need to discard in a sharps container. However, consult your facility's policies on disposal. Lidocaine is contraindicated in patients with a known history of hypersensitivity to local anesthetics of the amide type or to other components of Glido. Excessive dosage or short intervals between doses can result in high plasma levels and serious adverse effects. Patients should be instructed to strictly adhere to the recommended dosage and administration guidelines as set forth in the package insert. The management of serious adverse reactions may require the use of resuscitative equipment, oxygen, and other resuscitative drugs. Glido should be used with extreme caution in the presence of sepsis or severely traumatized mucosa in the area of application, since under such conditions, there is the potential for rapid systemic absorption. Cases of methemoglobinemia have been reported in association with local anesthetic use. Although all patients are at risk for methemoglobinemia, patients with glucose-6-phosphate dehydrogenase deficiency, congenital or idiopathic methemoglobinemia, cardiac or pulmonary compromise, infants under six months of age, and concurrent exposure to oxidizing agents or their metabolites are more susceptible to developing clinical manifestations of the condition. If local anesthetics must be used in these patients, close monitoring for symptoms and signs of methemoglobinemia is recommended. Vic, we can't hear you. Thank you, that's what I have my panelists for. <laughs> Too many buttons sometimes to push. 
All righty. I think we have everybody back here, all the panelists. Um, feel free, attendees, to ask any questions. You want to know about what it's like to shoot a video for a company or have comments or, you know. Uh, first of all, Vic, great job for your first acting gig. I think you did uh, a pretty fantastic job. Although I think we let you off the hook a little too easy because we didn't make you say met hemoglobinemia four times. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had Andy that written into the contract. Got that, got that task. <laughs> I'll see and for everybody that's uh, attending today, uh, this the timing of this video um, worked out really well. Vic was able to help our team out. Um, I, and I think we finished shooting what in March, right before uh, the pandemic really took hold. Yep. Um, you know, our team is spread across the country and was quite used to going into not only urology clinics, but major medical centers uh, to in service uh, clinicians on how to use Lido versus the competition. Uh, as soon as the pandemic hit, obviously that option was. Uh, was not there for us. And the video has been really helpful with uh, Vic demonstrating proper use. So thank you. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. It was, uh, you know, it's, I think it's always good to be a part of education and that's what I was glad to, to do it. Um, full disclosure, I was paid for doing this too. So my, it was a real acting gig. So if you know <laughs> Gary Sinise, now you know the second actor, Vic Sinise. That's a great, it was a great job, Vic. I have a, a couple of comments on it. Um, one of the things that, and I, I appreciate the way that you showed how to get that air out at the end. I know that when we first started using Glido, if you don't do that and you put that tip in the patient and you just push it, it's going to scare the crap out of the patient because it pops. Yeah. Um, and so just be careful of that. Make sure you get that out. Cause we didn't know that at first. Um, the, uh, what I do is you can take the cap off and you can actually pull back on the syringe and push it back to get the air out. So you don't even have to have that tip on. That's how mm -hmm. we do it. But I appreciate the other ideas too, because those are great. And um, hold on, Lori, just to jump in real quick, because yeah. Brido does come in two sizes. We have uh, the 11 ml, which was featured on the video that has a, a block on the plunger so that when you pull it back, it won't pull out. The smaller version of the syringe, the uh, 6ml, sorry, as I dig around for it, uh, does not have a block. So if you pull back, it'll pull all the way out. So some facilities do use the smaller size, the 6ml. So we tend to um, just say push to prime when they're trying to relieve the stiction. Uh, and just so everybody knows uh, that's attending, Glido's steam sterilized in the packaging, uh, and it creates that uh, stickiness or stiction between the plunger and the barrel. That's that pop noise that you hear. It's just the rubber in the um, plunger adhering to the inside of the barrel of the syringe. Um, so when you alleviate that, when you push to prime, uh, it gets rid of that stickiness. You won't hear that pop anymore. Oh, good to know. Thank you. I, I didn't even know about the word stiction before I did the video. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a made up word that we use. <laughs> I do see a question that came in here from the audience. Feel free to, again, put any comments or questions you have for me about the video part of it. We'll talk a little bit more about Lady Kane shortly. Uh, John Lynn said, why did they have you hide your hands? 
intent. <laughs> hiding hands does not foster trust. Uh, I got to tell you, they didn't have me hide my hands. I didn't know what to do with them. You know, you got these mitts here and you're trying to talk. One of the things I will say when I was putting together this video and I stressed when I was talking to the, the cameraman and everybody else, I said, I've got to make sure I adhere to the technique. I says, because this is going to get ripped apart by all my colleagues. They're going to, oh my God, he didn't touch this or he didn't, didn't, you know, didn't do this right. I said, so, you know, I'm, I was really conscious of where my hands were at all times. Didn't want to like touch a garbage can or something that would have, you know, been a, a red flag right away. So, yeah, I, it's, I probably, I agree. I would have sure been more Italian, spoke with my hands during the beginning, but next video, the re, the reshoot. <laughs> I had an, uh, another comment on instilling it, and you had mentioned the seal. It's really important to um, to seal when you, once you put the uh, tip in to seal around it, because I see a lot of people that are maybe a little bit more inexperienced and they put that tip in, they don't seal well enough. And all the Glido does or the lidocaine is just come right back out. So it's really important to create that seal to make sure that that Glido, the, the lidocaine gel goes all the way in. Hey, Lori, just, yeah. and this is for, for our education on the Glido end. Um, could you maybe share some techniques there? Because when we um, talk to clinicians about uh, occluding the meatus, we recommend uh, inserting the tip all the way to the hub. Um, do you ever, you know, clasp around the head of the penis to create that seal, or do you just press the tip all the way to the be to the base? I actually go behind the head of the penis um, and pull and push the um, penis taut to that syringe, as opposed to just holding the end, because it seems like then you've got the head of the penis that kind of seals itself around when you're pushing on that hub. Okay, thank you. Yeah. I have a comment from Susie Swain. I usually put a little Glido on the penis before I insert Glido. Is this okay to do? And absolutely, I, not only is it okay, it's, it's, I think patients feel more comfortable when you tell them, hey, listen, that, you know, you're coming at them with this syringe, no matter what, to them, it's like, a, they think it's a needle. Tell them it's not a needle, let them know that. And then I think that the um, the other point is to say, you know, I'm going to just squirt a little bit on the tip of your urethra just to kind of let it start to get numb. And then I always tell them it's going to feel weird. You know, let them know there's going to be some sensation there. It's going to feel weird like you're urinating in reverse. Now, I, I've never urinated in reverse. Probably patients have never urinated in reverse, but at least it makes them think of something so that uh, they have got reference point. But uh, definitely, I recommend a little tip, just a little bit on the tip. Let it sit there a second, a little conversation. If nothing else, it calms them down. And I've had a lot of success. And to Lori's point, if you don't get a good seal and it just runs all over the place, you've wasted your time. You know, you just made a mess. So it's really important. Yeah, um, I also give like the, the real expectation to the patient, too, because they think, you know, we're going to numb it. Well, we're not taking all the discomfort away. Let's be real. It's not getting all the way to the parts that may, you know, that sphincter and so forth that you're pushing through. They're going to still feel that part in most cases. So I give them the expectation because they want to feel calm. So just knowing that they're getting something makes them feel so much better. But I also tell them that, you know, even though we're putting this in, it's not going to take all the discomfort away. You're still going to feel pressure. You may feel a little pain, but it's going to feel much better doing it. 
uh, putting it in. Yeah, I think that's a real good point. Uh, realistic expectations goes a long way. I kind of compare it to, uh, I have to get these deep cleanings for my teeth. And the hygienist I go to is the periodontal hygienist. You know, they're supposed to be the best, right? The thing is, she uses this topical wipe stuff on my gums. I hardly feel it. And so I kind of make that reference. You know, when the dentist wipes that stuff on your gums and then you don't hardly feel the shot? I said, this works the same way. You barely feel it because it can be absorbed through the gums, can be absorbed through the urethra. Set up patients with things they know and can relate to. And I think that makes a big difference. Uh, I do have a question Neil Smith sent in here. I've seen practices chill their glidal prior to administration. Does this have a meaning, meaningful effect on its efficacy? So I'm going to ask Matt, has he ever seen any, have you seen any studies that have supported this? I know it's done. I haven't seen studies myself. So I haven't seen studies either. I've seen it frequently uh, across the country where, uh, you know, a typical Cisto day in the clinic, there are certain physicians that will um, put their lidocaine gel in the fridge for the day. Um, I, you know, I, I think it's, um, it's a, it's a preference. I don't know what effect it has on, on the efficacy. Um, but I, I have seen it frequently. Yeah, I know in our, our practice, it's a recommendation for, not for cystoscopy so much, but when they do the, uh, the Euroliths. Yeah. 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 I think somewhere that somebody came up with this chilled idea. I, I don't know. I, I, I do it, know that for the gel, it will affect the viscosity of the gel, right? So um, as uh, it cools down, the gel is going to be thicker uh, as you instill it. Um, but I don't, like I said, I don't know uh, if it affects the uh, onset time. And that's actually a question I have not only for uh, you and Lori as panelists, but for the attendees as well. Um, you know, onset of efficacy, say three to five minutes, um, how many are actually letting the lidocaine gel um, sit for the recommended three to five minutes? I've heard as, as long as 10 and as short as I don't let it sit at all, we just go right in with uh, whether it's a cystoscope or a catheter. Uh, so I, get, I open that question up to, to the panel and attendees. Yeah, that's I, great because... Oh, Excuse me, one second here. Susie Swain did just put that question through. How many minutes does, does Glido take to work? And I think you've answered that one quite well for us, that the recommendation is three to five minutes to let it stay in. Go ahead, Lori. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, obviously we're all rushed sometimes, um, and especially if uh, somebody's very uncomfortable with their retention and so forth, we probably don't let it sit as long. I try to definitely let it sit for three to five minutes. I'll talk to the patient and that's when you can talk about how to use the bag to empty or what have you when you're putting the catheter in. So I use that time as more educational. Um, sometimes we actually, for people that are really nervous, we actually leave it for 15, 20 minutes before we'll do it. It makes them feel, I think, more mentally better that it's been there working for a while. Whether it really has benefit, I don't know the answer to that, but it definitely makes them feel better. Now, I'll put this question out to you and to the audience if you want to chime in on this. What do you use to obstruct a urethra after you put the gel in? We use well, a penile clamp. a lot clamp. of answers to that question. <laughs> yeah, we use a penile clamp for sure. Um, 
sometimes we'll just hold it. You know, we'll just we'll just hold it in by squeezing the tip of the penis. Of mm. course, if three to five minutes seems like forever when you're doing that. So most times we'll we'll do the clamp. Now the clamp doesn't keep it all in. It's tend to tends to ooze out. So I definitely let the patients know you're gonna feel a little bit oozing out, and that's okay. This use the clamp for years, and the you know that was that metal one that's you can autoclave it between patients, obviously. Um, it would be a pretty good idea, except it just kept getting tossed out with everything else. So yeah. at the end of the procedure, they lose it. And all of a sudden, you know, and I think they're at this time, and this was years ago, it was like 75 bucks, I think, to replace this reusable clamp. And I said, that's it. I've had enough of this. So I just got four by four gauze and I just kind of make a little loop and a little noose around the, the penis and it'll hold it. You know, don't over tighten it, obviously. Good judgment but it'll hold pressure on it. It'll keep it in. And who cares if they throw, well, I hope they throw it away, but uh, it does a great job of keeping the lidocaine in. Cause I just tightened it and I watched to see if anything's coming out a little bit tighter. If it is, if not, the only problem sometimes when it gets a little bit of gel on it, it's a little difficult to undo the knot and I'm left-handed. So I tie different than right-handed people. So sometimes if a righty tries to open up my knot, they have a more, more trouble with it, but there's a cheap alternative. Yeah, I'm a lefty as well. So, <laughs> are you? I didn't know. I that. am. Yeah. See? So, I understand we got to stand on the other side of the table, the opposite of we, everybody else. We need to do a study and see how many left handed urology people there are. Maybe there's it actually there. works good if you have the doctor on one side who's right handed and, you know, we're left handed. It, it just, I think it's easier for us to work together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Susie Swain says once the glidos inserted, how long is it uh, effective for? Hello, Matt. Do you have any? Uh, I would say about a, about a half hour, right? So it, uh, it's yeah. something to be uh, aware of if you do um, instill the gel and let it sit for, uh, as Lori said, in some of those instances, 15, 20 minutes, um, you know, you're getting toward the end of its effectiveness. So uh, something to something to be aware of. And and, you know, I hear frequently, right, that people instill the gel uh, and prefer to go right in with uh, a catheter or cystoscope because the um, urethra is at its most dilated at that point. Um, and just know that the lidocaine is starting to take effect immediately. It's just it takes the, say, three to five minutes uh, and in some cases, 10 uh, um, to take full effect. Um, and, and it's another um, good reason to apply a little bit of lidocaine gel to the meatus before you insert the tip. And Susie Swain had just put in that she's left-handed. <laughs> I think we got something going here. <laughs> I also wanted to make a comment about, um, I also put them, and it's not more for the numbing effect, but I also use it prior to putting a suprapubic tube in. And the reason I do that is because it, it creates all that lubrication all the way through. And so I found success with super pubic tubes, especially when, you know, sometimes they're a little difficult, but, but putting that lidocaine gel in, like I said, it's not more for them to be comfortable. It's, it's easier for the catheter to slide in. Yeah, it's a good point. And, and actually that's one of the points I think we didn't maybe stress enough is besides the anesthetic effect, the dilation of the urethra that the 
viscous lidocaine gel, the gel part creates is, is fantastic. I mean, you know, there are all these companies are putting all this money into developing self cats that are lubricated, you know, so they're self lubricated. So the whole thing is lubricated. They don't stick going in for good reason. And there's been studies that shown how much, you know, irritation effect there is if there's dry spots where they put it in. Well, this gel will lubricate from the tip of the penis to the, you know, bladder because you're instilling it all the way. And, <clears throat> and I can tell you, I know for a fact it goes that far because I've seen the cystoscopies right as soon as they're pushing the scope through. And you can see that kind of cloudiness as you're going through the gel. So you see that it's definitely there all the way throughout the entire urethra. And it, it makes a big difference in putting a catheter in. Yeah. So. It's just like when you put it in also, you can tell because when you put the catheter in, sometimes it takes a while for the urine to kind of eat through that jelly in order to get it to drain. So there's a lot of times people put a catheter in and they don't think they're in the right spot because they're not getting any urine, even though there's urine there, but just wait, be patient. It'll eat through it and finally come out. Yeah. So I, I do. Is, uh, go ahead. The other thing that Glido is good for too, is that you can prescribe Glido for patients who have to self-cath at home. Um, so um, that can be done too. So if you have a patient who needs a self-cath at home for three to five days, uh, you can write a script for Glido and they can do that at home. Yeah. That could be enough to give patients the courage to do it. And, and absolutely that's the best technique is to be able to have the patient catheterize themselves. That clogged catheter situation you were talking about, what I do is I kink the tubing and then I push like a primer bulb on the catheter, that little bit of that wide section. And most of the time that'll help to kind of blow through that lubricant, but you're right. It'll give you the impression you're not in unless they have a really good big bladder full of urine. So very good. I had, uh, I had a question about, um, so in our office, we were using lidocaine on females and then we kind of stopped only because their urethra is so short and it's hard, definitely in a, in a woman to make sure that, cause half the time you're squirting at it, it's, it's, you can't create the seal like a male. And so we kind of stopped using it for that reason. So I wanted other people's opinions on that. We have used it for females and typically you're right. It's harder to get a, a seal, but not impossible. I think you can get enough of a seal. And then we take a four by four and then put it right over the urethral opening and then have the patient hold it in place so that there's enough pressure to try to keep it in because that's that's really the, the whole key is how do you keep it inside? You don't have the ability to kind of clamp off like you do on a male urethra. And we, and we, we do recommend using uh, Glido uh, on female patients, whether it's for cystoscopy or catheterization. And uh, you know we hear that objection quite a bit that the female urethra is so much shorter, it's not necessary. Um, but the, it, the female urethra doesn't have the same kind of self-lubricating glands that the male urethra does. It makes that passage a lot more comfortable. Um, and Vic, that's a great, I'm going to actually use that technique. We've also heard a cotton swab uh, to keep the gel in because, uh, yeah, the, the, the backflow of gel is, is another objection we hear, and that's a good technique. Yeah. Uh, Susie also, Swain. Oh, go ahead. Susie Swain's 
comment here. We use Glido on our female patients and they appreciate it. So we are getting some back, some feedback from our audience that it's not a bad idea. Go ahead, Lori, you had a comment. Um, so the six CCs versus the 10 CCs. So um, we will generally, we usually only use the six. It's, it's cost effectiveness more than anything. Um, but if we do use the 10 or we use the six on a female, what we'll do is use part of it. And then we'll actually lubricate the catheter, or the, cystos the cystoscope with the lidocaine gel as well. Yeah. And I was thinking about that, the cold part of the lidocaine. I didn't think that, you know, the cold really did much because your body's going to almost warm it up instantly with uh, the way it's spreading through the urethra. But I didn't think about the viscous change. So I think that's that's probably worthwhile because it would probably have a better stick to it as you're pushing something thicker through. So maybe better dilation. Um, have to rethink that one. It'd be a nice one for those that like to do research to maybe look into that research. Um, at this point, if I don't have any other questions, I'm going to just switch over to a uh, quick, I have a quick few slides about the shortage of lidocaine and then like to hit our experts up and see what they're doing to cope with it. So let me switch my thing over here. So... Sorry, I just got to move it so I can see what there. <laughs> Shortage of lidocaine. So according to estimates, uh, short supply and increased demand for anesthetics account for approximately 41% of all drugs, of shortages of all drugs. The following are some possible explanations of the scarcity for the anesthetics. Increased demand for anesthetics. There are several possible explanations for the anesthetic shortage, but COVID-19 is the most relevant and rational. And I think that we all, COVID gets blamed for everything. As previously stated, there was an increase in the demand for anesthetics during the pandemic. Many hospitalized intubated patients required anesthesia to avoid the discomfort and pain associated with it. I didn't even think about that. This increased demand resulted in less obvious but anticipated shortage of local anesthetics such as lidocaine. Supply chain issues leading to the sh drug shortage. Experts agree that COVID-19 did not cause the issue of shortages. It was has only exacerbated it. Shortage of drugs like lidocaine existed long before COVID-19 due to a supply chain management issue. Drug shortage can occur due to market approval requirements and post-marketing surveillance. This may be less significant reason for the lidocaine shortage for some in the US, but it still deserves attention. Hospira, a Pfizer-owned company, announced on May 4th, uh, 2021, to recall one lot of 5% bubicane and one lot of 1% lidocaine because of labeling mix. This mislabeling could cause serious adverse effects, and there was no option but to recall the said lot. This also affected the supply of lidocaine to hospitals and clinics, i.e. the supply chain disruption. Another reason for the supply chain disruption is that manufacturers are under economic pressure, so they maintain low inventories, disrupting supply chains and resulting in drug shortages. Supply chains are also affected due to the interruption of raw material supply and delays in manufacturing due to quality control. Natural disasters, Hurricane Maria and drug shortages. In 2017, Hurricane Maria halted pharma manufacturing, leading to a shortage 
of many in-demand drugs. To this date, it continues to impact the supply and demand chain in the U.S. Only two companies manufacture lidocaine in the U.S., Pfizer and Fresenius Cabe USA. The 2017 disaster led to a manufacturing bottleneck for these two companies, as many other companies left manufacturing lidocaine with epinephrine. And then they gave some recommended alternatives. I'm just going to go through these briefly. Topical lidocaine like Emla, Buvacaine, which is a uh, similar anesthetic. Articaine, which is, I think, what the dentists use for numbing my, my mouth. Propofol and fentanyl. Well, there's no shortage of fentanyl, is there? So, uh, again, there was kind of a, a brief summary of what I found uh, to kind of kick off this lidocaine talk. I really want to hit the experts up and see what their thoughts are on. Uh, oh, let me get rid of my spotlight. Yeah. Get, thank, get the yeah. And, it, it, you know, just to, to speak to our little section of, of this uh, with lidocaine gel, um, lots of uh, similar things have impacted our market, supply chain, uh, et cetera. Um, prior to COVID, there were three manufacturers of lidocaine gel. Uh, since one has exited the market, uh, leaving a, a real run a demand for lidocaine gel, uh, Sagent Urology had seen this coming. Uh, our manufacturing partner increased uh, our production to a point where uh, we're capable of satisfying, at least to this point, uh, the entire lidocaine gel um, market, the piece of the market that left. Um, so now, just like lidocaine for injection, lidocaine gel, there are currently two manufacturers. Uh, Glido is manufactured in Germany. Uh, and then uh, Eurojet, which is manufactured in California, I believe. Um, but we have increased supply to the point where we can um, satisfy this market shortage. Uh, so if people are having difficulty getting uh, lidocaine gel, it's probably more due to uh, their distribution network. Um, and our team can help them source lidocaine gel through whether it's a wholesaler or distributor to make sure that they have the ample supply. So now you think with your increasing usage or, I mean, hopefully your, your product usage continues to grow that, that market share. Do you think that this is a temporary bottleneck that we're going to continue to see or? I would say it's, it's definitely long-term. Uh, the, the third um, competitor that exited the market, uh, I believe they're trying to re-enter the market, um, but their manufacturing facility was shut down by the FDA for a whole host of reasons. So to get another uh, production line back up and running and approved by the FDA is going to take quite some time. Um, so this has been going on for boy, uh, five or six months already. Uh, and we anticipate at least another five or six months uh, where, um, you know, there will only be at least two competitors. Uh, so, but like I said, we've, we've increased production to the point where you shouldn't be seeing short supply of Blida. That's good to know. Um, did you see much uh, competition? competition from these compounding pharmacists that were 
producing their own lidocaine gel mixtures? So less and less. Um, when Glido first launched back in 2014, it was more it was more prevalent. Um, the FDA has started to kind of crack down on facilities compounding multi-dosing lidocaine gel. Uh, we certainly don't recommend it. It's not sterile. Um, we still see it from time to time. Um, but market factors have also helped in this that the facilities that were combining liquid lidocaine for injection with their own gel and mixing it together, well, they're having a hard time sourcing the liquid lidocaine because of the lidocaine shortage. Uh, so it's it's helping steer them towards uh, a sterile product, which we think is uh, you know an important advantage to to Glido that it's uh, it's a sterile product. Yeah, it didn't hurt that there was a couple of lawsuits I think that came out with some of these. I wasn't going to say anything, but yeah, <laughs> I mean you know for the difference in price, especially now that liquid lidocaine has become scarce and more expensive. Uh, it, you know, in our opinion, it's not worth the risk. Why not have uh, a sterile product and save yourself uh, that risk? And, you know, just to let everybody know, uh, Sagent Urology has been uh, committed to making sure that patients get lidocaine gel during the this market disruption and uh, has not taken uh, significant price increases as well, right? A lot of uh, pharma companies will take advantage of a drug that's in short supply and raise prices, um, and we we have not. Yeah, that's a good point. So I, I've been using a lidocaine gel product for most of my career, and as you can see, looking at me, that's been a long time. <laughs> so um, before you guys came around, I was using Eurojet. Eurojet is similar, same product probably, but it's in a glass container for those that are on the pan or the attendees that may not know that it came in a glass container. And when uh Glido was just kind of entering into the market, you know, you, you get used to what you're used to, right? Well, I happened to be doing a case and I went to put this thing in and it the literally glass exploded in my hand. Now, fortunately, the glove was enough to protect me against the injury, but it also made me think, eh, maybe there's a better alternative. And that's why I really like the Glido being in a, a plastic, uh, just for safety reason, disposal, you know, if somebody's not throwing it in a, in a sharps container and, and it, you know, somebody else gets contact with it, the plastic container is not going to injure somebody. Right. And that's a good point, uh, Vic, because uh, a lot of times uh, in the Eurojet, because it comes in two pieces and you got to put it together, um, you've got your stereo field. And then sometimes it either cracks and breaks on the sterile field and you got to replace it. Or sometimes it may rolled off the tray and, and fell to the floor and, and cracked and broke. So the great thing about uh, Glido is that it's a um, pre-filled, pre-assembled, ready-to-go syringe, shatterproof. So even if you were to accidentally drop it on the floor, it's not really going to shatter. Uh, so and you won't have that issue as far as uh, a stereo field being uh, contaminated by broken glass. Uh, the other thing about uh, uh, the Glido syringe is that uh, it can be, you don't have to ask uh, your facilities, but uh, it can be thrown away in regular medical waste. It doesn't necessarily have to go into a sharps container. 
Yeah. And that, and that can be a cost savings too, because medical waste is much more expensive to get rid of than, you know, regular waste. I actually didn't know that about the, uh, the Glido that it needs to go into a sharp container. It, the Glido, well, it, it, the Glido doesn't. it does not. It doesn't, but there's some, um, there's some facilities that require all syringes. Doesn't matter what kind they are. Just right. uh, all syringes have to go into sharps. So you really have to check with your facility. Does anybody know why the Eurojet is glass as opposed to the Glido? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I think that's, yeah, <laughs> we don't know. Uh, it's it's just always been that way, and they've uh, right. You know, I'm sure that it, any change in the manufacturing process uh, is very costly so uh, you know i'm sure cost benefit analysis they've they figured out hey we, you know it's not worth changing this whole production run uh, especially now that lidocaine gel is in short supply um and and to that end eurojet has really struggled to keep up with demand since uh since acorn exited the market uh and that's that's another great advantage for glido we've been able to ramp up production um, to also satisfy some of the shortfall that Eurojet has experienced during this time. And I do have a question from Joanne Smith. The tip of Glido looks harsh and more uncomfortable for urethral insertion. Is it more painful? And I think that kind of uh, goes to what the difference between Eurojet and the, the Glido is there. Eurojet has a more tapered tip to it. Um, so it looks more comfortable, I would, I would definitely say. In practical, you know, using it with patients, I don't notice the difference. Uh, again, I always put a little drip of uh, lidocaine on the tip, and I just don't think it's any more uncomfortable than putting a straight cath in. If you look at the shape of a straight cath, it's not a, it's not like it's a sharp edge to it. It's kind of has a roundedness to it. And, right. and that's, very you know, smooth. just to speak to that really quickly, right? I mean, uh, and it's hard to see on the computer here, but the tip is rounded at the end. It's not a harsh tip. Uh, and it was specifically designed to be uh, a cylindrical shape to be actually more comfortable as you insert it into the urethra. When you insert, and here's, here's a Eurojet tip uh, here. When you insert Eurojet, you're distending the meatus to create that seal or occlude the meatus. Uh, with the Eurofit tip, it was designed to enter the urethra uh, gently without distending the meatus, and you occlude the meatus with the hub or the base of the syringe. Uh, it's also uh, designed to kind of bypass that first natural stricture, the navicular fossa, um, so that you can uh, administer the gel smoothly and more evenly so that it, it gets to where it needs to be. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a good point because I do feel like I can do a better job blocking the exit of the the gel with the the back of the syringe than it does when you've got that long tapered thing that you'd have to try to accommodate. And, and I, you know, Lori or Vic, uh, just uh, as a question, because I I do get that question for people that are inexperienced uh, with Glido and they're used to using uh, Eurojet. Uh, I think their first time using Glido, they're they're a little squeamish about inserting the tip all the way to the base of the syringe. Uh, have you seen any difference in 
comfort with patients when you insert the Eurofit tip all the way to the base? Hey, Lori, why don't you take that? Yeah, I don't, I don't think I've ever noticed anybody feel any different, whether you put just the tip in versus the whole tip in. I haven't noticed a difference. Yeah, and I, I would concur with that. Uh, patients do not notice whether it's a little bit in or all the way in. It's, and I have notice... had, I have had those um, people with like the meatal stenosis or the, the the little stricture at the end, and I have put the lidocaine in and felt that pop right through. It, it actually works pretty well, whereas a Eurojet, it doesn't have that same. It's not long enough, or you know, I don't know. It's stiff, but it's it's wider as opposed to that tip. So it actually has popped through some of, of the patients I've come across with those um, strictures at the tip. We have a question from Jackie Boyd. Any recommendations on urethral or when a urethral erosion is noted? So I think we've all seen those with long-term catheters where the meatus starts to peel back a little bit, almost looks like a hypospadias, which probably could be a second part of the question. What do you do in the case of a hypospadias? Laura, you have any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I still put it right where that urethra opening is, whether it's at the tip or the side or what have you. And then especially with those filleted penis, penises, the erosion, you know, you put that tip all the way in and you try to squeeze around that tip to get that seal. It still should work the same way. Yeah. Sometimes I know I my technique, and it's probably terrible to try to demonstrate here, but I'll more compress with my hand to get a better seal that way around the tip. Um, whereas, you know, normally you just kind of this, have this type of motion where you're just holding the penis and then inserting it. I may kind of grip to hold the urethral flap or whatever. But as you say, same thing, you've got to get it down into that opening where you get good urethra to inject into. Um, and it works. That was a great question though. Thanks. Thanks for the question. Well, we're getting to the end of our hour. So it's been a great discussion. I, I really like this format. I hope you guys all enjoyed where we get to take a deep dive into a subject. You know, most uh, talks, you know, when you give a discussion on any subject, you're just kind of touching the surface of it. But I think we did a great job today at really taking a deep dive in what seems like a simple everyday routine thing that we do, you know, urethral uh, insertion of of gel, but really it's it's more complicated than than maybe it looks at first um, when you look at all the different things that go into it. So, and having the experts to me is is a is a big value, and I'm really glad that Matt and Jay were able to join us today for this. Um, little glitches, you know. Now we show that this is like live, you know, live TV. You know, when it's live, you're always going to have some issues in the start, but it'll it'll happen. But hey, I'm glad Jay was able to figure a way to get on. Um, I do want to thank. Uh, Sage and Pharmaceuticals because they've also made a commitment to become a supporting member for Euronurse. Euronurse is right now funded by um, support from myself and from the Chicago Metro chapter, but it's going to, to continue it. I need to have continuing sources to support it. So we're going to start taking some um, website links. So you'll be able to see a link soon on the Euronurse to, to the Glido program itself to their website. Um, so hope to get that going soon. Uh, again, we do have our after party. For those of you who just didn't get enough of this, go to the website, euronurse.com, click on that big box that says after party, and we'll continue the discussion over there. Um, just to 
let you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, next week it's uh, going to be coming to you from the Caribbean. So I, I <laughs> if I make it on the plane and all everything else goes as planned, I should be out on the Caribbean and I'm going to try to, I've been trying to work with the Royal Caribbean folks to try to get permission, but you know, they say when you can't get permission, you know, get uh, uh, absolution or something. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'm going to try to get the nurse to do a, an interview with me, but at the very least, we're going to visit the ship for sure. And hopefully the sick bay and try to see what I really want to ask them. What do they do when there's urinary retention on a, a ship? And when I look at the number of people my age, I think it's probably not an unusual thing for them to see. So anyway, hope to see everybody from the seas. I'm told they have high speed internet. I should be able to stream. They told me that. Um, and if it works great, if not, well, I'll have a nice vacation, but uh, hope to see everybody next week. So those of you that are available, we'll see you over in the after party. And the rest of you have uh, a great, uh, <laughs> John John Lynn just told me, good luck with high-speed internet. Uh, <laughs> actually, they, they, they I, I've been on the, the enough cruises, and I know their, their internet is kind of so-so, but they've got this new package called the uh, the Zoom Stream or something, which is their their highest form of internet. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I, I'm always I'm always there to try to push it, so we'll see what happens. All right, thanks again, panelists, for all your help. It couldn't be done without Thank you guys. You, and see you in the after show. Thanks, Vic, and thanks, Lori. Thanks Thank all for, for all the attendees as well. <laughs>